I think my two main picks, mm-hmm. I don't know. I They might be top 10 of the year. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And this week, we are talking about complicated love stories. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I am great. I'm doing good. My reading is on fire for this Ooh. episode. Ooh. On fire? <laughs> literally, oh. well, I, probably literally, too, considering we're talking about complicated love stories. Yes. There's some literal steam going on in some literal of steam <laughs> the maybe 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 not because you know i'm like oh i need a door cracked it could be cracked allude to it mm, well then you, <laughs> i don't need to be in the room it, with it, you it's it's beyond alluded to in mm-hmm. my stories <laughs> good so we have a wide range i'm good the sun is shining so anytime i told john yes. i took the train home yesterday from work and the sun was out but when i left work at like 3 34 o'clock and i felt like i was high I literally Same. was like, did I like <laughs> inhale some drugs on the way or something? Because I'm so happy. It was sunny here mm-hmm. yesterday, too. I know people who live in sunny locations probably think we are crazy. But here in Ohio, and Darren gave me some fun facts last night, up until now, which is February 2nd or whatever, January was the third time since 1950 that Columbus had seen this many cloudy days. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Oh, it does. And yeah. I was like, 100%, mm-hmm. because yesterday it was sunny, and you would have thought I, w- I had, like, caffeine all day. I felt yeah. energetic. Same. That's that's what lack of sun can weird? do, and that's what I sun can, can do. Now, Lily woke up today, walked out. She goes, Mom, the sun's out. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that happens sometimes. <laughs> oh, um, it's crazy. Well, yes. yeah, I mean, it's, well, a, happy, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal, yes. Well, hopefully we have a milder February than we did January. But I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm hop in and talk about. We're talking okay. about good mood, good vibes. My loving lately. We actually, I got it from a patron, Leanne. She recommended it at our end of the year mood reader happy hour, and it's a creator named Cheese Gal. <laughs> her name's oh, really. I remember that. Yeah. Yes, her name's Courtney Lacorte, but she goes by Cheese Gal. I follow her on TikTok and Instagram, and what she does, she she makes elegance accessible. So she is. I don't actually know. I guess she's really into cheese and really into like charcuterie and into appetizers and just cooking and and certainly beverages as well. So I follow her and I was sitting there working on my script in my mind while I was feeding the baby. And I'm like, gosh, what am I loving lately? And I watched this woman make an entire dirty martini from top to bottom, like all the steps. I was on her Amazon store the entire time thinking, gosh, what am I loving lately? Hello, look in front of you, (laughs) this person. She just made the most wonderful dirty martini. But I think for me, I cut a lot of corners. I'm like, ah, it's good enough. Ah, I don't need this. When I'm like cooking or when I'm like just in general every day, I cut a lot of corners and she just made me want to slow down because she had this martini glass, you know, the perfect glass. She gave it a rinse of vermouth. Now, have I ever had a dirty martini in my life? No. But I feel <laughs> like I would like them because I love olives. 
And she's just being very thoughtful. She's chilling everything. She's stuffing her own freaking olives with blue cheese. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why can't I? Why can't I do that? Right? Like, I could make myself a lovely, dirty martini. I don't have any of the products, but like, I could obtain <laughs> these things, you know? Instead of just having like my, my three buck chuck from Trader Joe's once in a while, like, I could do something like this. She has great recommendations, too, not only for, like, recipes, but also for barware and kitchenware. I really want this cocktail shaker she has. It was, like, $70. I'm like, maybe cost per use. And then I'm like, but how often do you use it? But maybe I'd use it more if I had one. Anyway, I Mm -hmm. went to (laughs) it. These are the thoughts that I'm having. (laughs) She also does this thing called couch caviar. And she gets literal caviar and, like, puts it on a chip and talks about all the little accoutrements. And then she sits in her PJs and watches Real Housewives. And I thought... How brilliant. Again, it's like combining that elegance with simplicity and everyday stuff. It made me want to romanticize my life. And now, again, have I ever had caviar? No, I have not. But <laughs> the pro- the point is take time for yourself. Do these little things for yourself that feel, for me, I'm like luxur- too luxurious. Why do I need, I don't need that. Like, no, why not mm-hmm. me, right? So anyway, if you are kind of in that similar mindset, you're looking for somebody interesting. She seems really kind. She seems Midwestern. <laughs> uh, <laughs> give her a follow. We'll link to her Instagram. And her name's Courtney, aka Cheese Gal. Oh, I love it. When you're describing her, again, it's someone sharing their passion mm-hmm. in whatever way it is. And for her, it's, you know, it's these, if, if it's an elaborate drink or yeah. an elaborate snack paired yes. with trashy TV, then I just, I love watching people get excited about their passions and share it. And share it. And she also had, Renee, a reel. I didn't watch it, but I saw the cover, Best White Wines at Trader Joe's. And so she's like going into Trader Joe's and picking them out. Okay. just heads up, you might want to get in there. Oh, I'd be interested in that. Yeah. Okay. Good one. I am going book-related for my loving lately. And I have been loving this for a while. I don't know why it didn't cross my mind to bring it before, but I want to bring Anne Patchett's Lay Down Diaries and her new-to-you recommendations. Now, Anne Patchett is the owner of Parnassus Books in Nashville, so that is where you can find these Lay Down Diaries and new-to-you recommendations. She usually comes out with the new-to-you on Fridays, and then the Lay Down Diaries are usually where she's sharing new releases on Tuesdays. I really enjoy these. You can get them on their website. There's links to all their social media. I typically watch them on Instagram, but you can also watch them on YouTube. And recently, she did one about, I think it's a, I think it was a new to you, but I'm not positive. Um, meaning, if you haven't read it yet, it's new to you. Right. That's, I, I like love that. that. It's just it's genius. Um, she did a feature on Lily King, and I, I loved Writers and Lovers, and I tend to forget about like going back to Lily King's backlist. So this was a great reminder because Ann Patchett um, said one of her favorite Lily Kings was Father of the Rain. And so I was like, oh my gosh, let me get that on my Libby. I haven't read it. And there you go, a, you know, a new to me recommendation. And I think if you don't, if you know, if this was not on your radar, I think you would really enjoy just watching Ann Patchett. Sometimes she gets on a real roll about banned books and it's interesting. Many of her books are now banned, um, which is crazy. So anyway, she also recently did a really good, I think it was a new to you, 
uh, for Jason Reynolds. And um, mm. she talked about Long Way Down. And that I thought that sounded really good. So anyway, that's Anne Patchett with her Lay Down Diaries and New to You recommendations. I love that. And I have seen her do these. I guess I didn't realize it was a series. I just, she's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm Anne Every Patchett. week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, every week. And a lot of times she brings her dog, Sparky. Uh, I've been to her store and there's a bunch of dogs in that, oh, in that I love store. It. It, yeah. I really like that store down in Nashville. Good. Good recommendation. Simple. But again, something I'm like, wait, why don't, these are things that I would want to know. So I'm sure our listeners yes. do too. Right. Exactly. I mean, we all have overflowing TBRs, but who cares? I mean, what's one more? You know, like what's, what's one more? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or five more. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you listen to our episodes, what's five more? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Next is Perfectly Nice Neighbors. This is my latest read, and it's by mm-hmm. Kia Abdullah. Oh, yes. When a Bangladeshi family moves to a new London suburb, an incident with their white next-door neighbors escalates into chaos and tragedy. Whew. This is about Salma Khatun. Salma has just moved with her family to a safe suburban development into which she, her husband, and their son They were looking to leave their old neighborhood and moved here. They are in desperate need of a fresh start, and it feels like just the place. Soon after they move in, literally right away, they have this barbecue, and she gets to know her very next-door neighbors, and they have this odd sense of humor and this odd banter that she's not really vibing with. So they come, they get off, not on the best foot, not enemies, but they're just kind of like, huh, they weren't understanding each other's humor. Then very soon after that, she sees her neighbor, Tom, pulling out the anti-racist banner her son put in the front garden. It's kind of like a Black Lives Matter sign. She He took it. She decides to uh, not confront Tom in this moment and takes the sign and puts it in their window. And the next morning, she sees that somebody has put paint on their window to box it out. Mm-hmm. And so now she's mad. <laughs> Naturally, she goes next door, confronts Tom, and that starts the battle lines between these two families. Here's what I'm going to say. Kia Abdullah always goes there with her storylines, which I like. She is not afraid to take things to the extreme. And I like that in a writer. She did a great job building tension, so much so it was almost too good of a job because I was genuinely uncomfortable reading this. Especially, I think about your neighbors and people that you live next door to and just what it would be like to have such a fraught relationship. That mm-hmm. You think about that every day because they're right there. I'm right. thankful that I have great neighbors on both sides. Like, I love my street. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm getting uncomfortable for her. And you don't just get Salma's point of view. You also get the neighbor's point of view. And I do think she did a great job there because she really illustrated these minor misunderstandings and got into people's heads, like what he was thinking, what the wife is thinking, what Salma's thinking, her son. And you kind of understand, okay, I see how these things happen. Their boys become friends, and they actually start to work on. They're they're teens, and they start to work on um, like a project together. I liked this book. I did. I guess what what gives me pause is that it escalated so much, it got really heavy handed. Mm. None of the characters were particularly likable, which is generally fine by me. But it was almost hard to watch. I'm like my God, there was a lot of things too, like layer upon layer upon layer. Not just with the neighbors, just other things going on in their lives. And I'm like, oh. It does end in a court case. We know uh, the author is a lawyer, which I do like those things, and I enjoyed that piece. I am discussing it with my neighborhood book club next week as of this recording, and I'm very curious to see how this goes. If you're looking for a lighter domestic drama with petty stakes, this is not it. And I think I thought that it would be a bit lighter going in, 
if you do want something that goes deeper into race and social justice and feminism and the complexities of being human, then I think this could be a good pick. I landed at about three and a half stars, I think. I, I am not mad I read it. I would still absolutely seek out this author again. It was just so heavy. Mm. I'm like, oh, I was like, go away. <laughs> and I know at least one of my neighbors feels the same way because she'll text me randomly like, oh, XYZ is making me so mad. And I'm like, yep, that'll do it. So, you know, take from that what you will. This book was Perfectly Nice Neighbors by Kia Abdullah. Okay, great review. Um, I do have this one, and yeah, I, I love this author, but mm-hmm. this isn't one that I have not read yet. So it sounds like a little bit of a departure yes. from the other two, at least her other two books I've read, mm-hmm. Take It Back and um, Next of Kin. Now, those were yep. more thriller-ish, mm-hmm. and this it was, doesn't sound like this was. I would not call this thriller. It's domestic yeah. suspense, but really with a kind of social justice lens, which is good, typically. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it wasn't a thriller. I really want to read Next of Kin. I need to work that in somewhere because I'm so uh, curious about that one. I did love Take It Back, and you recommended that one to me. Okay. My first book, I think all of my books could qualify as just giving me some sort of feelings (laughs) on some sort of continuum. I can't wait to hear about them. Oh, my. Well, my latest read is My Husband by Mm -hmm. Maude Ventura. This is translated from the French. This is billed as a darkly funny debut novel about a sophisticated French woman who spends her life obsessing over her perfect husband. But can their marriage survive her passionate love? That is an apt description. It is darkly funny. The narrator is 40 years old, and she has an on-paper perfect life. She has a successful career, She's beautiful. She has a beautiful house in the suburbs, two healthy children, and most importantly, an ideal husband whose wealthy background allows her to transcend her own social class. And they've been married 15 years, and she is just so in love with him. However, she is never, ever quite sure that her passion is reciprocated. Now, she is determined to make their relationship perfect. So she will meticulously prepare every encounter they have, whether that is brushing their teeth in the morning, making meals, running errands, anything, it must be perfect. She takes great care to make her actions seem effortless. She watches him like a hawk. She wants to anticipate all of his needs, everything, because she loves him. Until one day, she realizes she may have gone too far. This book, this book, this book, um, this was actually pulled from my DNF file from the summer. I DNF'd this when it came out. And I the reason I DNF'd it was because, well, number one, I don't think I was in the mood for it at the time. And number two, this is a really unique structure because the story is told strictly from this woman's perspective. And she is telling us this by repeatedly and obsessively calling him my husband. And let me tell you, it's a lot. And you've got to be ready for that. And I don't think I was in the summer. I I was irritated by the level of my husband. My husband did this. My husband did that. But recently I read a review from Sarah from Fiction Matters, and she 
reviewed this book and the way she talked about it renewed my interest. This is what Sarah had to say. She said that this narrator is completely unhinged. She is in love and obsessed with her husband, or is she? And then she went on to say that the best unhinged narrators are absolutely bonkers while occasionally making a truly great, totally relatable point. Mm-hmm. Think Amy Dunn in Gone Girl. And then she went on to say how that it was funny. And so all of that, I was like, you know what? That actually sounds like a book I would really like because I'm also really into weird books. And so it turns out this, this was, it was weird. She was unhinged. I laughed. It was dark, but then it was still also irritating. Mm-hmm. It was really, and it was really <laughs> irritating. It's a lot to, to listen. And I did listen to this. I do think audio is the way to go, even though you've got to get past that use of the term my husband. The reason I think audio is the way to go, I felt like this woman was speaking to me and telling me her story. And while she was 100% wacky and, and, and unhinged, I kind of liked her. And so listening to her and then every now and then hearing her say something about marriage that made me laugh and and actually think, well, she's not wrong. That was fun. This book is short. It is a long time to be in an obsessed, potentially off-the-wall kind of character's mind. She's wacky. But I am really glad I gave this a second try. And I will say, when I initially finished this, I told you, Tina, I didn't know if I liked it. I finished it probably two to, I don't know, two and a half, three weeks ago. The more time has went on, the more I have thought about this story and I realize I really do like it. So I bumped my star rating up to four stars. Now, the epilogue is pure gold. And that's all I'm going to say about it. This one is My Husband by Maud Ventura. I am mad you beat me on this one. (laughs) It was in my ether, you know, but I didn't pick it up and it's found you. I want to read this so bad because I love unhinged characters. I love what Sarah had to say about it. This Mm -hmm. just sounds like completely my type of story. And, you know, I also love a good epilogue. So I put a hold on it immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a reason it called to me last summer. And I, but it just, this is just a great example of it wasn't right at the time, but if books are right for you, they'll find your way their way back somehow. Mm-hmm. And no, this I was that. just mm-hmm. a perfect example because, and I, yeah, I think this would be a fun book club book. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. It like I it's think, one I you think it, especially discuss. if you're in a book club with married, you know, where people are married, and mm-hmm. this definitely examines marriage in an interesting way. All right, good one. Okay. So today we are talking about aptly complicated love stories. And, you know, I don't think Renee and I would call ourselves a romance reader, but I do think we like stories where there's love in it. And I was trying to pinpoint what it is that I like, what it is, you know, about the stories that I tend to gravitate toward. And I came up with complicated. I really, really like when a story is complicated, it's complex, and we can talk more about that. But I pulled back a little bit and I was curious, why do people read romance? Like, what is the appeal? Because as we've done in our research previously, it's one of the most, if not the most read subgenre of fiction. People love romance and they have for ages. And I found this article called The Psychology of Romance Novel Addiction. 
We can link to it. And it was, you know, kind of a, I don't know that there was any studies done to back this up, but it was thoughts on why people gravitate toward this. And do you have any thoughts about why people want to read romance? Well, I think love stories are fun to read about. Now, I think that love stories encompass so much. So when I think of romance, in the past, I probably would have thought light and fluffy or feel good. But really, the more the more I really, really think about it, I think romance encompasses any love story. I mean, mm-hmm. it can, it doesn't have to be the trope enemies to lovers or right. friends, you know, or um, friends to lovers, although we tend to think about that a lot. And those are really popular. And so I think when we say we don't read a lot of romance, maybe that's what we're thinking about. Like we don't read a lot of the happily ever mm-hmm. afters, which I don't at least. I prefer really, really complicated love stories, but I do think that's romance. I think if there is, if there's a love story, I think that still falls into the romance category. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And and you know, romance I think is kind of a broad term, you know, it depends on when I think romance, I think, oh, the physical piece, right? Or they're mm-hmm. courting each other, they're dating. But I think there is some th- something romantic to long-term partnership or finding the one or not finding the one or coming back to the one. That, I think, is appealing to me. The article was talking about the first thing, and I sa- saw this in a couple places, was escapism. Mm-hmm. Like, that was like one of the biggest things was they readers who read a lot of romance or love stories want to fall in love with the characters. They want to fall in love with their love story. A lot of times, too, this article brought up a good point. There's excellent side characters. If you're focusing on two, like they typically have some support system in their life that are, not typically, but sometimes I've seen that, where there's really, really good side characters. And Kennedy Ryan does this really well. She crafts a really nice story. There's two central characters, and then there's kind of sub-characters. And then she'll go on and give those sub-characters their own story. And I love that because I like to see a little bit of continuity in in my reading where I'm like, oh my gosh, that character's back. Like, I like that. Of course, people read it for the steam. I know there's a wide variety. You know, you'll see people like share how many chili peppers a book has for how (laughs) steamy it is. And I think more than anything, I think readers like to imagine a world where true love exists and overcomes all. And you can have that love story that I think a lot of people, if not all people, most people would love to have. They're, they'd love to have that. Yeah, I do think that that is compelling to read about. And that is one of the things I really like to read about and watch on TV, honestly. I think that's why we watch The Bachelor because mm-hmm. so on the journey to find true love and to keep true love and to just experience true love and to find out if it if it comes together in the end or what is going to happen in the end that's a journey right and we get mm-hmm. to we as readers get to go on that journey and then i think depending on the type of story whether it's a happily ever after whether it's a rom-com whether you know you're to, you know you know you are going to get the couple in the end, which a lot a lot of people, that's what they want. And they mm-hmm. go into the book expecting that. I am I and this is this is gonna sound weird and odd, but I think my most memorable romances have bittersweet, 
mm-hmm. endings where something really bad happens or they don't <laughs> end up together or it makes me cry or it's just it's just not meant to be. And mm-hmm. I don't I'd have to really unpack that for why right. those appeal to me. <laughs> yeah. But that's where that's where I land with romance. Mm-hmm. What do you have a preference? Yeah, I same. I like it complicated. I do I think I prefer when they end up together, but I don't want it to be in a formulaic, predictable way. I like when they're apart for a while and come back for one reason or another, or fully changed, or like there's something that pulled them apart. Like, oh my gosh, you know, a family drama or just something like that. My favorite thing, though, is I love the will they, won't they. The Ross Mm. slash Rachel of it all, right? I love that. Wondering, like, are they going to end up together? Oh my gosh, is it going to work out? Um, And sometimes it doesn't. And as a reader, if you like those types of complicated stories, you've got to be okay with like, oh my gosh, your favorite characters might not make it work. I like complicated. I think it also makes it more realistic. I have a complicated love story. I mean, you know, in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So I just like that. I feel like, you know, it's not all, oh, there's something I think satisfying about reading a trope because you know what to expect. You know mm-hmm. the cadence or something very satisfying, I think. I like seeing more grittier, real stories. You know, there's no rich guy sweeping me off my feet, work, you know, whatever. Although that can be fun to read too. I think the ones that I prefer the most are where there's darkness or some sort of, not even darkness, but like things that are not perfectly pretty, right? Mm-hmm. Those are mm-hmm. some of my favorite types of stories. And I definitely have two today. Oh, same. Yeah. And you mentioned something which I think also makes romance of any any kind that you're reading more enjoyable to read. And that is drama. Even in the happily ever after rom-com type of tropes, there's still drama usually mm-hmm. along the way. And that's fun to read. It makes it for a, an interesting reading experience. Often mm-hmm. these types of books, any of them, Once you get into a romance that you're so into and you, whether it's the characters or just the storyline, they're hard to put down. Mm -hmm. They really are. You're right. Mm -hmm. They can be very much page turners. I love the drama and like messy love stories. That's what I love. Like, oh my gosh, there's some sort of mess or some sort of, (laughs) I can't believe you're dating this person for this reason. Like that I like. Ah, So we do... We do like love stories. You know, we're not these cold, heartless, heartless <laughs> ladies that are only reading murder stories. <laughs> Although, no, you know. absolutely not. Mm-hmm. What do you think about thriller books with a romantic element? Yes, I, I like those. And mm-hmm. if it can be pulled off, mm-hmm. I think it's done better in psychological thrillers mm-hmm. versus the traditional fast-paced thrillers. Although, it just depends on the author. I mean... Yeah. I think I think Linwood Barkley has pulled off a little bit of romance here and there. Mm-hmm. I think he can do it. I think Sherry Lapina can do it. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it. I think um, I like the psychological thriller aspect of putting in some romance where maybe somebody is just doesn't have the best of intentions. Maybe they're just not there for the right reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You mentioned The Bachelor. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. I, what about I get, you? I'm on the fence because at first I was like, I don't need it because um, I have read some 
like it's mystery thriller. And I guess I didn't know going in. I'm like, wait, are you guys falling in love? Like, why am I? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, get back to the people are dying. Like, get back to the plot. Right. Um, so I think it depends. Like you said, it depends on the author. Psychological thriller. Yes. Like if it's that's a part of the plot, like that's a part of it going in totally. But like sometimes I think I've read a few mysteries where it feels shoehorned in. I'm like, why? Why? Mm-hmm. We don't need that. Like you, you can have it. Like I don't need it because then I feel like neither aspect is done particularly well. It's almost like, OK, you know, I don't mind a little love. You know, I'm yeah. very picky. Anyway, <laughs> I was just curious. Well, it came to mind. You saying that, you know, you know who who actually really, I think, does it well. And it's mm-hmm. an addition of romance that is just put in so nicely, and that is Sharon Bolton's Lacey Flint series. Oh, Now, that is not, Mm -hmm. now there's just some mega sexual tension (laughs) underlying those books in that series. And um, the first one starts with Now You See Me. Mm -hmm. But I think, now in something like that, where really we're we're there for the mystery and we're there for the we're there for the characters, but sh- man, did she manage to put in some will they, won't they mm-hmm. yes. throughout book after book after book. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And that I do like, especially mm-hmm. if it's like longer term. Again, the will they, won't they. Mm-hmm. Like if there's something extra there that I do appreciate. You know, I just don't like when it's equal parts. Like I, I prefer like, okay, a little mystery and a lot of romance or vice versa. Got it. Yeah, I think. right. Got it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, good. I will well, t- I'm excited oh. to talk about our books. Oh, God. I'm a little nervous. Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> Book one, I wanted to bring because when I think about complicated love stories, one that immediately comes to mind is All the Ugly and Wonderful Things by Bryn Greenwood. Oh, boy. I know. Have you yeah. read this? Did oh, yeah. Did you read it? No, I loved it. Really? Okay. I gave it five stars. Same. Okay. I was going back and forth. Because I'm like, about whether or not you liked it. Because I'm like, I think Renee will like it. But I also was like, oh, I feel like she might hate it. So stick with me and just trust me, okay? Wavy is the main character. She is the daughter of a drug dealer. The book opens. She is very young. She doesn't read particularly young, but she is. And she has led a very tough life. Very, very tough. She has learned not to trust anybody, even her own parents. Her dad is kind of this leader of a drug den. Her mom is also on drugs. And Wavy has just learned to keep her mouth shut and stay out of sight. She actually has a hand in raising her little brother, Danal. Wavy is only eight when this begins. And she is the only responsible adult around the ranch, a.k.a. the meth-cooking hideout that she calls home. And she becomes obsessed with constellations She's kind of a tough child, if you will, not understandably, but like, you know, she wanders out on her own and she finds peace in the starry night above. And one night she's out there and she causes an accident and she sees a motorcycle wreck and forms an unusual friendship with one of her father's thugs, this guy named Kellen. And he is a tattooed ex-con and he has a heart of gold. By the time Wavy is a teenager, Her relationship with Kellen is the only tender thing in a brutal world of addicts and debauchery. And then tragedy strikes even more, and it tears Wavy's family apart. As you can imagine, this is a very hard book to recommend. And Mm -hmm. even looking back at the synopsis on paper, no, what do you mean? What do you mean? That's not going to work. And I will say, 
it's an unusual relationship. It's not as though these two hook up when she's eight. No, right. At all. This story does take place over the course of several years. I love Bryn Greenberg's writing. She goes there, kind of like Kia Abdullah in some ways, where it's mm-hmm. like a unique story that you think, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting this. And it works because of her writing and because of the care in which she crafts the story. The characters are unforgettable. And this, again, would not have worked if anybody but Kellen was the other main character. Like, he is a really good character. And so is Wavy. They are so interesting together. The author doesn't mince words. It's very Mm -hmm. gritty. I will say that. Gosh, she really was able to get me as a reader to see who these characters are, to see their struggles, and root for them. And understand, hey, this relationship isn't mine. I want the best for them. and you know see where that goes. It takes time to develop. It's not something that's like over the course of a year. It's over the course of several years. And I can really appreciate a book that's able to make me feel the way this one did. But again, this book should not work on paper. And I'm trying (laughs) to be intentionally vague, just, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's it's also really high rated because I was nervous at first. Am I the outlier here? But it's really high rated. It won a lot Mm -hmm. of awards. And again, it shouldn't work, but through the magic of writing, the author was able to give us this love story. And I highly recommend it. It's All the Ugly and Wonderful Things by Bryn Greenwood. Yeah. I avoided this book for a long time Yeah, because I thought, don't want to read that story. I yeah. just don't want to. And then this was a, a in real life book club pick. Oh. And it just blew. Yeah. It blew me away. This is, mm-hmm. an, this is a hard story on many levels. Yeah. It's a hard story to read. And yeah, then... Aside from just the obvious age gap, I mean, there, right. there's drugs and it's like very much on paper and you're feeling neglect, badly for these right. characters. Neglect, mm-hmm. yes. Psychological right. trauma that's not, you know, a magic fix. You know, that you're exactly. they have to deal with these issues. Yes. But gosh, so much to think about mm-hmm. and discuss. And yeah, I read this a while ago mm-hmm. and it's still something that I think about if, you know, for complicated stories. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, good. If you haven't read it, I know it's been out for a while and a lot of people have, but still recommend, you know, give it a shot. What did Ann Patchett say? Oh, if you haven't read it yet, it's new to you. It's new to you. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's right. Okay. My first book and both of my books, I mean, like I said, they're top 10 potential. So this is in no particular order of favorites, but I'm going to start with Leaving by Roxana Robinson. Now, this is one of my February books on the radar. How about (gasps) that for bringing Uh, a book on the radar Mm -hmm. really quickly? Um, I finished this last night at 1 a.m. So this is real fresh. (laughs) And I I lost sleep. Not only did I stay up late, but then I couldn't sleep. This one, I will tell you again really quickly. This is about Sarah and Warren. And the story asks the question, what risks would you be willing to take to fall in love again? Now, Sarah and Warren initially had a love story in college, and that love story ended in a single moment. Decades later, when this current story takes place, they are both in their, I want to say early 60s. She might be late 50s. He's he's 60 or they're both around there. And a chance meeting brings them together and a passion is reignited. And that passion is going to threaten the foundations of the lives they've built. Because at the time, Sarah is divorced. She had married. She raised a family. She has two kids. 
and she has her own career. And when they meet again, Warren is still married. And that is going to prevent, that's going to present a problem. I'm going to leave it there. That is not a spoiler. The premise of the story, we we know going in, this there's an infidelity in the story. That is really the only content warning I w- would like to give. But hear me when I say there there are more, and I'm not, I cannot tell you what they are. One in particular would be an absolute spoiler, and so I just can't do it. Just know that that this is a this story goes to some dark places, and I I really didn't expect that when when I started. I knew okay, this is going to be complicated, but oh my gosh, this is complicated. It is a quiet but oh-so-page-turning book. I read this in two nights. I only had the ebook, so this was all on my Kindle. I stayed up until one both nights. I was not going to go to bed last night until I finished this. This is definitely a character-driven story. You get the perspective of both characters, which was really interesting. I love the structure. I think it worked really well. The author took me on a roller coaster ride of emotions. I t- if you ask me right now, I will tell you I these characters were real. I th- I'm positive they're real people out there living their lives and I'm bothered by the fact that I uh, what happened and uh, wow, what I mean, great writing, great characterizations. I felt their happiness, I felt the tension, I felt anger, I felt uncertainty. And I felt sadness, just like the characters did. There is something about this author's writing, and I cannot tell you what it is, but she took a like a, a story that's focused on characters, and she made it propulsive. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how she did it, but that's why I'm not an author. I have no idea, but <laughs> right. she did. I mean, things, and and really, truly, things do happen in this story. And I don't want to tell you anything because I didn't know anything. I mean, this was one of my books on the radar. I thought it sounded good. I don't mind exploring complicated relationship dynamics like this and marriage stories. So that's why I wanted to read it. But it goes through so much more. Um, I especially really connected with the author's exploration of parenting adult children. Both of these to have adult kids and how it can be so complicated. I mean, gosh, she nailed a lot of that. And I think complicated is is such a good word to describe the story. There are moral dilemmas right and left that are laid at the reader's feet. And then she makes us dive into the deep end to see what we think about this. When I finished reading this last night, I was stunned. I was stunned. I cannot remember the last time I was this stunned when I finished a book. And then I could not sleep. I couldn't sleep. I I can't, I don't know the last time it happened, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. I have some advice for, for those who think, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna pick this book up. Have someone to available to talk about this book with when you're done. I don't have anyone and I feel at a loss because I need to talk about it. The only thing I would say, if I was going to offer a criticism, there'd be two small things. One, I felt like there were time jumps. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's because I was reading an advanced copy and maybe that is going to get ironed out. But I found that to be a little confusing at times. And then the other, Sarah works in the art world. And so there were parts where she and her colleagues talked at length about art and things related to the art world. That is not interesting to me. But if you love art, it might be for you. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. This is still a five-star book. And I think that I'm making a point to say our five-star books don't have to be perfect to be amazing reads. And yeah, if anyone reads this, please email me or message me. I need to talk about it. It's Leaving by Roxana Robinson. Fine. I'll download it. I just wrote. Thank you. I need to talk about it. You inspired me as you as you were talk, <laughs> talking about this. I just wrote a list next to me. Renee, books I want to read. And I have three. <laughs> next of kin, my husband and leaving. All three we've kind of talked about today on the show. Oh, how am I going to find time? Anyway, I hope that I can equally tempt you with my next one. Okay. This is the book that I've been dangling in front of Renee for too long. Oh, I can't wait to hear what this yeah. is. Yeah. If you remember in our last episode, we were talking, we had this, this idea like about that five plus star reading experience. Can you chase it? How do you chase it? And my reading experience for this is what kind of inspired that topic. The book in, that I'm talking about is A Place for Us by Fatima Farheen Mirza. Oh, this has been on my TBR forever. Okay, tell me more. Same. I had had this on my TBR forever, and it is so, so good. Okay, I'll tell you what it's about, and then I'll give you my thoughts. (laughs) I have my book journal in front of me, and my first sentence is, oh my God, this book is so good. It takes its time. (laughs) I guess I was really excited about that. So it opens with an Indian wedding. A family is gathering back together. The parents are Rafiq and Layla, and they are reckoning with the choices their children have made. There's Hadia, who's their headstrong eldest daughter who's getting married, and it's a marriage of love, not tradition. So it's not an arranged marriage as her parents might have wanted. Huda is the middle child, and she is determined to follow in her sister's footsteps. And then you have their estranged son, Amar returns to the family for the first time in three years and takes his place as the brother of the bride. Immediately, I'm like, what happened? Where's mm-hmm. Amar been? What's going on? And what secrets and betrayals have caused this close-knit family to fracture? Because you know they love each other, and you're inside the brains of many different characters throughout the writing, so you know they love each other. So what in the heck happened? So that's part one, and then it takes a major step back, and it goes to the beginning of the family's life. You hear of Rafiq and Layla and their immigration to California. You hear about their early days with their children. You hear about you know their adolescence, high school years, things like that. However, normally I would have been like, oh, we're back at the bit square mm-hmm. one and we got to work our way back to the wedding. And I was almost confused because she does this thing where she plays with time. One minute you're with babies. Next minute you're moving into the home for the first time. Next minute the babies are in college now. And I'm like, huh? And at first, again, I was not confused, but almost like I did a lot of audio and I'm like, did I miss something? Did I skip ahead? But no, that's just the structure. And it shouldn't work in my mind, but it totally did. Through her ability to do this and weave this story, you see everything. You see their joys. You see their struggles. You see how the children interact with each other, what it was like when there was just one and now there's two sisters and then the little brother comes in. You also see Rafiq and Layla again immigrate to America from India and some of her 
worries as a first-time mom and as a young woman. They also talk a lot about culture. And a place for us is not just culturally. It's all of the characters in the story are trying to carve their own way. And it's a lot about what it's like to grow up in the U.S. with parents of immigrants and a lot of dealing with what you want to do and the culture that you are set in while at the same time grappling with what your parents' expectations might be. Lots of that. And there's a lot of talk about religion and and culture. It's one of those books where it's almost hard to describe in a way that sounds interesting because I'm like, not a lot happened, but everything happened. Mm -hmm. So many, I ordered it. I need a copy. I need to annotate it. I need this book in my hands. And it took, it didn't take long to get here. It took long in my mind because I'm like, I wish I was reading this in print because it's that good. I wanted to savor it. Now, I initially picked this up for our complicated love episode. And you might be saying, well, wait, whose love story? Because what? In addition, in that first scene, Amar runs into who might be the one that got away. There's a woman Mm. there. And I'm like, hold on a minute. You obviously love her. And like, oh, in a few sentences, the author was able to convey these two had something or they want something or they didn't have something and they wish they did. And now they don't. And why is that? Oh, you've got to know why they're not together now. And that's initially what sucked me in. While I thought that that initial relationship, I thought that was going to be the entire story. It wasn't. It was much more about the family. But I will say you still get to see the outcome. I'll leave it there. This is a book to read and savor. It's a one you want to reflect on. And it made me, somebody who has a different experience, a different religion, different experience, really look at my own life. And I love when books are able to do that. Mm-hmm. It's about how small decisions can have lifelong consequences, potentially. And I just love these characters. I swear to God, I miss it right now. (laughs) If you finish this, I want to talk to somebody about the ending. So please chat me up. But I absolutely love this book. It was A Place for Us by Fatima Farzine Mirha. Ah, okay. Yes. I'm glad you brought that and put that back. That fell it fell way, it fell off my radar. It wasn't even on it anymore, even though I had Mm -hmm. wanted to read that. Mm -hmm. And you said life decision, like how small decisions Mm -hmm. impact or whatever. Yep. That would be such a great book, like book to read with leaving too, Mm -hmm. because that, I didn't even mention that. I forgot. Mm -hmm. That's, that's part of that story too. You as a mother of sons would really, really appreciate this especially adult children. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a lot about it. Oh, this book is so good. I want her. I'm so excited that I discovered her. This was her debut. And I'm like, "Mm, clock's ticking. Where's my next book? Like, yeah, (laughs) right. Where's book two? So, okay. Yeah, you definitely, definitely. Now I'm going to have to, I know, and this is not short. I'm going to have to, to get this going. Yeah. Right. Working in there. Yeah. It's like 450, maybe 430. Okay. Pages. Good one. Yeah, you teased me. I had no idea. I could so, not figure out what you were reading. So mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, good. All right. My next pick is, I know one that a lot of you have already read or have heard about. So this is not going to be a, a brand new title. This is very backlist. It is Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. And I did mention this as a current read a couple weeks ago. I finished it. Oh my gosh. I think I was halfway when I talked about it on Books on the Radar. This is the story of Lotto and Matilde. And it's also the story of a marriage, of a relationship. And the fact that 
every story has two sides. Every relationship has two perspectives. And sometimes, as it turns out, the key to a great marriage, it's not its truths, but its secrets. And in this story, we will get, um, we will meet Lotto and Matilde when they're 22 and they are madly in love. They're destined for greatness or so they think. And then a decade later, their marriage is still, it's still great. Um, their friends are envious of their great marriage. They, they get along. They seem to be really happy. But as we go on, there are stunning revelations. There are multiple threads. And there is one of the best structures of a novel I have ever read because the entire first half of this story is Lotto's perspective. And we're going, I mean, we we think we know what's going on. We are being told we, I mean, from his perspective, we have all the facts, right? Well, at 50%, it will switch to Matilde's perspective. And we find out that we may not have known <laughs> nearly what we thought we knew about these people. Um, the publisher markets this as a brilliant examination of a marriage. I 100% agree with that. It was it was stellar. For me, I think this was a story of extremely flawed characters who bring their shared baggage and traumas into their relationship with each other and we get to see what happens. But we all in relationships bring our past to it. And I love what Lauren Groff did in this story. So in the first half, like I said, it's chronological. We get Lotto's perspective and the events of their marriage. We get an entirely different story pretty much in the second half where Matilde is clarifying things that are like, oh, okay, well, I didn't realize that's what was happening. And the way that the story comes together examines the question, do we ever really know the person we're in a relationship with? Oh my gosh, I don't know the answer to that. I think after reading this, probably not. This is a complex love story. There are so many secrets. There's regrets. There's passion. It has everything, everything. I went into this knowing that this is Lauren Groff. And because I love The Faster Wild, I knew I wanted to read another Lauren Groff. I didn't read any reviews. I had no idea what other people had said about this book, although I knew it was popular. And that is the way to go. That That is the way to go, I think, if you haven't read this book, because there's quite a lot that happens. And then when I went back and read some reviews, I see that a lot of people said they didn't like these characters. And I find that really interesting because I did. I did like them. I think they're, like I said, I think they're flawed, but I can see why they were the way they were. We get we get the childhood stuff that goes on and the way that she interspersed that was perfection. Now, just like with leaving, I do have a couple criticisms. One is the fact that there are several long excerpts from Lotto's plays. He is into mythology and not for me, but mm -hmm. you know, it's okay. I did a combination of audio and print with this. I think the audio was fabulous. I probably switched to my ebook when I came to those parts if I could and just kind of went through the his plays. I don't think his plays added anything to the story. Actually, I think that that's probably my only criticism of this book. 
I loved it. I I mean, it's not a short book, but I binged it. I don't think I'm going to forget these characters. The other thing I really love, and I think if you love stories set over time, this is set over like, I think around 24 years. Plus we do get a glimpse of even later, like we get, we get some thoughts about later age. So we get a little bit more past that, I believe. I love this. I loved it. It's Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. Oh, how am I going to read all these? I'm literally like <laughs> book club members, if you're listening, some of these are going to be our picks coming up because <laughs> they're so good. They sound so good. Oh my gosh. Well, what a yeah. packed episode of books that <sighs> sound exciting. Yes. I've, I've got one more. Um, and I was on the complicated relationship train. Oh, okay. This one leans toward messy. It's called Only for the Week by Natasha Bishop, and this is available on Kindle Unlimited. I just grabbed it yesterday. And it says, you are cordially invited to the wedding of a Mary Cross and Arnold Hightower. And now a toast from the maid of honor, Janelle Cross. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here. Some of you may know me as the sister of the bride. Some of you may know me as the ex-girlfriend of the groom. But I'm willing to bet none of you know me as the woman secretly sleeping with the best man. Oh, boy. (laughs) I know. I'm just as surprised as you. It was only supposed to be for the week, but every kiss adventure and stolen moment with Rome Martin feels like it could last forever. Oh, well, what happens in Tulum stays in Tulum, right? That's it. That's the synopsis. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that a good one? That's a good one. The banter is so funny. Immediately, I was laughing at the characters and like how they sass each other. Like It's super witty. I'm going to finish this. It's it's short. It's maybe 272 pages, something like that. But I thought, oh, okay, all right. I got to see how this plays out because there's a lot of potential great setting. And you know me, I don't like hearing about Tulum. I need to get there. And they mm-hmm. get there right away. They're packing for the airport. So I'm like, all right, we're going to be, we're going to be there. So that one is Only for the Week by Natasha Bishop. Okay. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yes. I think fun is going to be the right word for it. Okay, I am finishing with a thriller because I feel like I have brought all complicated love stories, which I have. So I am bringing you Kill For Me, Kill For You by Steve Cavanaugh. It comes out March 19th. The opening sentence of the publisher's blurb, it, it got me again because it says, for fans of Gone Girl. And I will never not be never. tempted by that. Never I, not be tempted. Never. I agree. Okay, so that's... Okay, that's it. No. Um, So (laughs) it goes on to say, this is a razor sharp and Hitchcock inspired psychological thriller about two ordinary women who make a dangerous pact to take revenge for each other after being pushed to the brink. So one dark evening on New York City's Upper West Side, two strangers meet by chance. Over drinks, Amanda and Wendy realize they have a lot in common especially loneliness and an intense desire for revenge against the men who destroyed their families. As they talk into the night, they come up with the perfect plan. If you kill for me, I'll kill for you. Now, here's where this gets a bit interesting, because in another part of the city, there's someone named Ruth who is home alone when the beautiful brownstone she shares with her husband, Scott, is invaded. She's attacked by a man with piercing blue eyes who disappears into the night. Will she ever be able to feel safe again while the blue-eyed stranger is out there? I have no idea how those two storylines could be connected, but 
there we go. That's the synopsis. This sounds like a story that we've also, you know, heard before, but I am also always here for a strangers who meet and then decide Mm -hmm. to team up to get revenge. Yep. So that was Kill For Me, Kill For You by Steve Kavanaugh. Yeah, that made me think initially of Peter Swanson's book? Swanson's, The Kind Worth Killing. The Kind Worth Killing. I'm Mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, I've been here before. But that's okay, because like, it's not going to be the exact same story, and I want to see how it does it differently. And this one's two women. So yeah. Love Mm -hmm. it. All right. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you'd like access to exclusive bonus content and community, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash etc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also find us at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Okay, the, the narrator, Maud, not Maud, Maud's the author. <laughs> <laughs>